few years back, back before my, my dad passed away, before my dad died, he was, he was pretty sick. Uh, he'd been sick for a pretty good little run, and we were coming back uh, one afternoon from his chemo visit. And all those trips, we'd go to Wichita Falls, and we would, we would go. And after his, after his chemo, he'd feel good for a little bit. And so he'd either want to go eat red tacos at Casa Manana, or he'd want to go to McBride's. And then when we left there, he'd usually start to feel bad, and it would start to, to kick in, and, and it, would, it would turn into a, a not that good of an afternoon. Uh, on this particular day, it had been a pretty tough run. It had been a tough few weeks. Uh, he did not feel very good at all. And, and we were coming back, and I was driving, and he was riding in the passenger seat. And he looked over, and on this day, he said, Toby, I'm not scared to die. In fact, I'm ready to die. I know I'm going to meet Christ. I'm not scared to die. But then he said this, uh, something I'd never heard him say before. He said, but I am ashamed to meet Christ and have wasted so much time. And I I really didn't have any words for that. I remember looking over and and tears were falling off of his face. I'm not scared to die. I know I'm going to meet Christ, but I'm ashamed to have wasted so much time. Men, I want to tell you, if, if we truly believe in Jesus Christ, listen to me today. If you, if you truly believe in Jesus Christ, if you believe he is the hope, if you believe he is the answer, the only answer, if you believe that in him there's the forgiveness of sin, and, and, and how tremendous that is, in him there's the forgiveness of sin. If you believe that he loves us, as crazy as that is, that he loves you and that he loves me, if, if you believe that the world's only hope is in him and that those that are lost outside of Christ are actually literally going to perish for all eternity. Listen, if you believe all of that, then the only logical response, and I'll just tell you as men, the only response of any integrity would be to give our days to lead people to Jesus Christ. You understand that? If, if we actually believe there is a Savior and we actually believe that He loves us and He died and he, and he took our punishment, He paid for our sin, if we actually believe that in His grace that is available to every lost sinner, we, we, we our only response of integrity would be to give our lives to lead people to Jesus Christ. That ought to burn inside of us. That, that ought to consume us. Hey, listen, your job may be, you may sell insurance, uh, you may work at a store, you may be a farmer, but, but our, our consuming passion should be to lead people to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Today we're going to start to look at the, uh, the life of the Apostle Paul. We've gone through looking at Moses and Abraham and Joshua, uh, looked at King David today. We're going to start to look at the life of, of the Apostle Paul. Now, I, I'll tell you this. I believe the Apostle Paul, uh, I believe to be, is, is the actually uh, the greatest follower of Jesus Christ that's ever lived. I believe that. Uh, there may be some folks I don't know about. There may be some folks that you could talk about. But I believe the, the greatest follower of Jesus Christ uh, that has ever lived, perhaps we're looking at when we're looking at the life of the Apostle Paul. For sure, I believe he has the greatest impact for the cause of Jesus Christ than any person that's ever lived. I, I truly believe that. Paul, led by God, empowered by God, is responsible for the spread of the gospel to the entire world outside of Jerusalem. Understand that. He, he writes uh, 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament. Uh, he trains pastors. 
He's a pastor himself, but not only that, he trains pastors. He is a preacher. He is an evangelist. Uh, he himself individually led Timothy to Christ. He led Titus, another pastor to Christ. Onesimus, the, the slave of the book of Philemon, he personally led him to Christ. He leads all these folks to Jesus Christ. Most likely, I, I believe this, most likely, if we were, as we sit in this room, if we were able to, to trace our Christian heritage, meaning who led you to Christ and who led them to Christ and who led them to Christ, if we were able to somehow go far enough back, odds are we would somehow come back to the Apostle Paul. As Gentiles, as those outside of Jerusalem, if we were able to say, you know what, my dad led me to Christ and his uncle led him to Christ and a Sunday school teacher led him to Christ and his dad led him to Christ, if we were able to trace that all the way back, odds are every person in this room who has a relationship with Jesus Christ, it would come back somehow to the Apostle Paul. The man, I believe, had an unbelievable, immeasurable impact. He brought many people to the knowledge of the gospel, uh, uh, the, the, the saving grace of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He brought much glory to Jesus. I, I can't even imagine that, how much glory he brought to our Savior, Jesus. But I want to tell you this. Here's the thing. He was just a man. Do you understand that? He was just a man. In fact, he calls himself the chief of sinners. You think your sin is great? He calls himself the chief of sinners. He brings this much glory to our Savior, Jesus Christ, and he was just a man. Just like us, he was just a man. Man, I want to tell you, our prayer, uh, our, our desire, and it may seem absurd for me to say this, it may seem crazy for me to say this, our goal should be the same as the Apostle Paul. He was a man like me. He was a man like you. As crazy as it seems, our goal, our desire should be the same as the Apostle Paul. Next five weeks, we're going to look at the events in, in the life of Paul's life. We're going to look at his call, uh, what he was before, the miraculous call on the road to Damascus. We're going to look at that. We're going to look at some other events in his life. But today, as I started to, to put all this together, I really wanted to come to the starting place I believe, of understanding the Apostle Paul. Really the core of who he was, and, and, and really more than that, I want us to see today how a regular man, how this regular man became this tremendous man in the cause of Jesus Christ. Now, uh, we're going to look at a couple verses, but I, I want you to hear today with ears like that. I want you to hear with ears thinking, you know what, he was a man, like I'm a man, and my goal, my desire, is to be like the Apostle Paul. In Philippians, that's the letter that he writes to the church in Philippi, we find this verse. And I believe this verse sums up the life of Paul. You could go back, man, there's many great verses. I believe this verse sums up the life of Paul. I believe this verse tells the story of the Apostle Paul. It's in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. I'm going to read the verse, and I again believe this is the starting place for understanding the Apostle Paul. Philippians chapter 1, verse 21 says this, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Listen to that again. The Apostle Paul says, For to me to live is Christ, and to die 
is gain. Now, I'm going to read a couple more verses that's going to help us understand that. Verses 22 through 24 says this. But if I am to live on in the flesh, if I'm to keep living, this will mean fruitful labor for me. I'll do something that matters. And I do not know which to choose. He's saying, you know what? I don't know if it's better to, to go on to heaven or if it's better to stay here. But if I'm going to stay here, I'm going to have fruitful labor for my Savior, Jesus. Verse 23, but I'm hard pressed from both directions. You know what? I, I want to stay here. I want to do great things. You know what? At the same time, I'd rather be with my Savior. But I'm hard pressed from both directions. Having the desire to depart and be with Christ. For that is very much better. Verse 24. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. The verse I think is key for us to understand the Apostle Paul. The, the verse that sums up his life I believe is verse 21. Today I'm going to look at verse 21 and I'm going to look at it in detail. We'll look at it very very closely. Let's, let's look at verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. I'm going to show you three things that it takes, three things that it requires for an average man to have a tremendous impact. And here you are, you know what, you're a sinner. You know what, you've done things you regret. Here you are as an average man, the best of us here. The three things that it takes for an average man to have a tremendous impact for Jesus Christ. And that's the three things I'm going to pull out of this verse. The first thing we see is this. For an average man to have a tremendous impact, the first thing is this. You have to have a personal resolve. You have to have a personal resolve. The verse starts off and Paul says this. For to me. Get this. See this in this verse 21. Paul's response to the gospel is this verse. That's what this verse is all about. His response to the gospel is what he says in verse 21. Understand, he knows who he is. He knows he's a sinner. He knows he's not fooling anybody. He says he's the, the chief of sinners. He knows who he is, and he also knows who Christ is. He knows he's the Savior. He's the, he knows he's the hope for sinners. He knows he's the only way to be saved. And so knowing who he is and knowing who Christ is, the belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ evokes in him this personal response. Listen to me. Hear this. It is absurd to think that we could believe in such a great salvation it is absurd to think we can believe in such a tremendous Savior and not be propelled to live it out. You see, that's, that's the lie of 2019. That's the lie of the world that we live in. It is absolutely absurd to say, I believe in a risen, resurrected Savior, the hope of mankind, and for that not to propel me to live it out. It is absurd to think that we can truly believe the gospel of Jesus Christ and not be radically resolved to the mission of Jesus Christ. The first thing that's required for an average man to have a tremendous influence is to have a personal resolve. A personal resolve. Second thing is this. First thing is a personal resolve. The second thing that's necessary for an average man to have a tremendous influence is a personal surrender is a personal surrender the next part of the verse says to live is 
Christ. For to me, to live is Christ. It literally translates, uh, the verb is not there in the original language. It literally translates to live Christ. That's what Paul says. For to me, to live Christ. Paul understands, now I want you to follow with me. Paul understands that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. He wrote that. God inspired that. He understands, I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. Paul understands that. Paul understands that to follow Christ means that you die to yourself, you take up your cross, and you actually follow Jesus. Be sure and see this. It is no longer Paul who lives. He was a great lawyer. He had a great future. The Jews esteemed him. He had a great, a great plan set ahead of him. It is no longer Paul who lives. It is no longer Paul's agenda who lives. It's no longer Paul's priority that's going to be done. If he lives, here's what he's saying. If he wakes up in the morning, then the mission that he is on is the mission of Jesus Christ. If he wakes up in the morning, if he opens his eyes, if he steps out of his bed then the mission that he is on is the mission of Jesus Christ. That means he's going to preach like Jesus Christ. He's going to proclaim the good news like Jesus Christ. It means that he's going to serve a lost world like Jesus Christ. It means that he's going to actually seek out the lost as did Christ. He's no longer self-serving. He's no longer self-focused. He's no longer self-exalting. To live is Christ. Paul says, if I'm going to live, Christ is going to live through me. Let me be sure and make this clear. We are called to be the same. Do you understand that? Here you sit, you are called to be the same. As believers in Jesus Christ, we are to be surrendered to Jesus Christ. We are to be given over to Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, as we sit here today, and I've seen this this week, if you live five more minutes, and I want to tell you some folks I thought last week would be alive this week. They're not here this week. If you live five more minutes or if you live 50 more years, 50 more years, you wake up and you put your feet on the floor. Either way, we live as Christ. I, I think there's a lot of folks that like to be used. And I think we, we come to church and we say, yeah, I'd like to have an influence like that. I'd like to be used like that. I think there's lots of folks that like to be used, but I think there's not many folks that are willing to surrender. He says to live Christ. If I live, it is the mission of Jesus Christ. And so the, the first two things we see for an average man to have a tremendous impact is you have to have a personal resolve. Not your grandmother's resolve, not your wife's resolve. You have to have a personal resolve. Second thing, you have to have a personal surrender. Third thing is this. You have to live in light of a personal reward. Now this sounds kind of crazy. I want you to hear this. Sounds kind of weird to say, but it is the biblical truth. You have to live in light of a personal reward. Verse 21 says, For to me, to live is Christ, a personal surrender, and to die is gain. Now we think, well, he's just making a statement here. I want to tell you, this is, this is the impact. This is the thing that holds impact in his life. And to die is gain. 
Paul understands that to die is of great benefit for a believer in Jesus Christ. Here's, here's what he's telling us here. Paul understands that to die is to be instantly in the presence of the Lord. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. That's what the Bible says. Paul understands that he knows that when you instantly die, you're in the presence of the Lord. He understands that when you die, you're instantly done with the turmoil of this world. You're done with the trouble and the sickness and the chemo treatments of this world. He understands that when you die, you're done with the crud of this world. He understands that to die is of great gain. And so because he understands that, he understands. You know what? He has run the race. That's how he ends 2 Timothy. Waiting for him is a crown. He expects that. He understands that he has secured a reward in heaven. The Bible has promised him that. He understands that he has laid up for himself treasures in heaven where the moths aren't going to eat it and where rust is not going to destroy it. And so see this, he lives his life now. He lives his life in these days in light of a promised personal reward. Now I want, I want you to understand, this is huge. Be sure and get this. Our goal as believers is not to get to heaven as quickly as possible. Sometimes we think, well, that sounds pretty good. And I think that's what he's saying. It sounds pretty good. Our goal is not to get to heaven as quickly as possible. Our goal as believers is not to escape the trouble of this world. Man, this world is messed up. It's got all kinds of problems. Our goal is not to escape the trouble of this world, but our goal is to live in the light of a coming glory, to live in the understanding of the hope of eternity. It is to live in the security of how this all ends. And in that understanding, to endure leading many people to Jesus Christ. You see, that's what he's saying here. You know what? If I die, it's fine. You know what? If, it, if I die, I'm going to be with Christ. But he doesn't say what? But I'm in a hurry to die. He says, if I live, it is as Christ living here. Our goal is to see the hope of glory and to live now in resolve, response to a personal reward. I read Paul, and, and, and maybe you go back and you read the New Testament and you see in Acts and you see the letters he has written the life of Paul. And here's what I come, come up with when I read his life. How does he endure? We, we sit back and look at him now and say, man, that was a pretty awesome life. Do you understand the hardship of his life? And I read, I read Paul and I wonder, how does he endure? How does he endure the heartache? And he says in several places that he had ministered to the point of death. It'd be better, easier to be dead than to keep doing what I'm doing. How does he endure being hated? How does he endure being ridiculed? How does he endure being abandoned by his friends? He says, I had some great friends and I thought they'd be here at the end and for the love of the world, they've gone somewhere else. How does he endure? How does he endure imprisonment? How does he endure the waiting executioner's blade? How does he keep on, keep on, keep on? How, how does he endure living his life for the glory of God? And let me tell you how it is. It is because he knew that one day there would be an end. And he knew that there would be one day. 
And they may cut his head off. And I want to tell you, that's how he ends. They, at the end of 2 Timothy, not long after that, they tell him, you need to be quiet about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he won't be quiet. And so the executioner's blade drops and his head falls off. But I want to tell you what Paul knew. Paul knew before his head even hit the ground that he would stand in the presence of his risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And he would stand there with his Savior that has holes in his hand, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he knew the promise of of glory would be, he would say, well done, good and faithful servant. Pull the blade back and I will preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. To live Christ, to die gain. That sounds pretty lofty. But I want want to tell you in this men's lunch, that is our truth as well. That is our truth as well. Here you sit, and I don't know how old you are, I don't know what station you are in life, but I want you to understand this. It's going to take a personal resolve. It's going to take a man of character to see the gospel of Christ and say, I would be a pathetic man of no integrity and not be changed by that gospel. It's going to take a personal surrender. You know what? My agenda has died, but I now live for his surrender. And it's going to take living in light of eternity, understanding a personal reward. Those are our truths as well. Do you know I've looked in the New Testament and I cannot find one word that would make any of us not able to do what Paul did. Yes, God was with him. You know what? He lives inside of me, lives inside of you. Yes, God had a big plan for him. You know what? God wants to use you as well. I can't find one thing in the New Testament that would exclude us as followers of Jesus Christ from being used in the same way. An average man with a tremendous impact. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll lead us in a word of prayer. Glad you were here today. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come. We're thankful for you. I'm thankful for your forgiveness. I'm thankful that you didn't write me off and write us off. Thankful that you didn't cast us into a trash heap. Thankful that you didn't say, you're not able to serve me. I know your past. But I'm thankful that there's grace and restoration and renewal and hope in our Savior, Jesus. Lord, I pray as we look into the Gospels, we see this week Emmanuel, God with us. As we see in Easter, the risen Savior. As we see that we're not just receive Christ, we're to walk in Him in Colossians. Lord, I pray that we'd be changed. And I pray for men of integrity in this room to commit to being like Paul, living as Christ and expecting to die in gain. Lord, help us to be those men. Use us to change our homes. Use us to lead our wives. Use us to lead in our churches. Use us to lead a community to Jesus Christ. Let us be those men. Lord, we thank you. We love you. We worship you and we praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.